0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 15 of the 60-day legislative session. Over the past 24 hours, the state reported 99 new fatalities and more than 2,800 new cases of COVID-19. The bill to crack down on social media platforms for banning Donald Trump passes its first committee in the state legislature.
1: These changes, I believe, are needed now. The vast majority of Americans think that big tech is inappropriately censoring or failing to censor speech on their platforms. They can see that big tech makes up the rules as they go, and they fail to protect platform users from arbitrary, and that is the key, arbitrary actions. We need transparency, accountability, and consistency.
0: Lawmakers from both major parties have problems with social media, but they're also wondering if they have any authority over the tech giants because that power is pretty much preempted by the feds. Despite a decrease in the total number of jobs, Florida's unemployment rate was down by three-tenths of a point in January.
2: Florida's seasonally adjusted unemployment rate in January 2021 was 4.8 percent. This represented 482,000 jobless individuals out of a labor force of 10,069,000.
0: Florida's unemployment compensation system melted down last year when the state went into lockdown, and lawmakers are finally getting around to trying to fix it.
3: I am glad that they are now admitting um, that the system was designed to fail by the previous administration. Uh, I think that's key moving forward. The, The devil is going to be in the details like anything else in this process.
0: The bill to try to revamp the unemployment system got such a friendly reception at its first hearing that the chairman called it a love fest. It's been more than 30 years since the state created a special fund to compensate families when a baby suffers catastrophic injuries at birth. Lawmakers did that to try to solve a medical malpractice insurance crisis
4: obstetricians were leaving Florida. People were having, or or just not doing obstetrics. They might stay in Florida, but they were only doing gynecology. And people were having a hard time finding someone to deliver their babies. And
0: it's a crisis. Now the woman who runs the Neurological Injury Compensation Association says it's time to increase the payments to parents. You'll hear from Kenny Shipley in the Sunrise interview. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man accused of spitting on a Disney guard when she asked him to follow the rules and wear a mask. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged.
2: This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting FLEDreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity Florida.
0: And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, March 16th. This is National Panda Day and National Artichoke Day. On this date in 1968, U.S. soldiers killed 400 unarmed Vietnamese civilians. The My Lai Massacre was one of the most controversial incidents of the Vietnam War. In 1998, Pope John Paul II asked God for forgiveness for the inactivity and silence of the Roman Catholic Church during the Holocaust. And one year ago today, Major League Baseball suspended the remainder of spring training and delayed the start of the regular season in response to COVID-19. The Department of Health reported more than 2,800 new cases of COVID Monday There were also 99 additional fatalities, increasing Florida's death toll to 32,959. More than 2.3 million Floridians have now been vaccinated against the disease. Two of the biggest bills of the legislative session had their first committee hearings Monday. There's the bill to crack down on tech giants, including Twitter and Facebook, for banning Donald Trump. The sponsor is Representative Blaze N'Golia, the former chairman of the state Republican Party.
1: This legislation will allow for Lydians to take back the virtual public square, a place where information ideas should flow freely. Under our proposal, big tech social media firms must publish standards used to ban, post, deplatform users, or implementing shadow banning. Stop arbitrarily cons- censoring and deplatforming users, gives users the power to opt out of certain algorithms, stop frequent changes to terms of use, and clearly communicate and obtain prior consent to changes allowed de- platform users to retrieve all user information and provide equal access for established news organizations and qualified political candidates to reach users free of manipulation by algorithms. The bill also temporarily or permanently prevents social media platforms from contracting with state government if they are in violation of antitrust laws. And finally, the bill bans state and local governments from offering economic development financial incentives to companies that are in violation of antitrust laws. These changes, I believe, are needed now. The vast majority of Americans think that big tech is inappropriately censoring or failing to censor speech on their platforms. They can see that big tech makes up the rules as they go, and they fail to protect platform users from arbitrary, and that is the key, arbitrary actions. We need transparency, accountability, and consistency. At the end of the day, this bill is about protecting Floridians when the federal government is failing to do so. We're creating a level playing field, a predictable playing field by publishing the standards and hold everybody accountable.
0: Lawmakers in both parties have problems with social media, but Representative Fentries Driscoll of Tampa says they're not sure they can actually do anything because the feds have their own laws that trump the state, if you'll pardon the expression. And she says this is a distraction from their real business.
5: We're frustrated by proposals that are not trying to help Floridians where they need it most in the time of this pandemic. And this is the type of legislation that just seems uh, like a distraction. And I know that it's under the guise of, you know, uh, the the governor was saying that it's, um, we want big tech to stay out of our elections, we want big big tech to stay out of our business. But the fact of the matter is that uh, many Floridians use these platforms. um, And I think that Big tech has had to kind of take on this responsibility of making sure that their platforms are used in an appropriate way. And so, on the one hand, we say, you know, we want business to be able to run itself how it needs to in order to stay competitive and and, um, relevant in the free market. And then on the other hand, we've got Governor DeSantis trying to restrict them with this bill. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those unnecessary distractions in terms of legislation that we should be considering this session.
0: The Tech Crackdown Bill passed the House Appropriations Committee on a vote of 19 to 8. The second major bill is the one that tries to fix Florida's unemployment compensation system. Senator Aaron Bean of Fernandina Beach is the sponsor of Senate Bill 1948.
6: The system that DEO used, the Connect system, was antiquated. It never anticipated having the amount of uh, of traffic that, uh, that came upon it. Perhaps the most frustrating thing for those individuals was just not knowing. Couldn't log on, didn't know if their are Uh, if their request was even being heard. So today, members, I present to you the DEO Modernization Act, which says it's time to get with the times and use technology, Department of Economic Opportunity, to use better technology and that in the future this will never happen again and our citizens can be served. The first thing we do at Direct Department of Economic Opportunity is to use a cloud-based system. Uh, rather than a server-based system. That was their challenge. Their servers only had so much capacity. And uh, do you remember they would tell us, we're putting on another server today, so it'll add another 10,000 people. And how excited we were to have that news. But No more. A cloud base really gives uh, almost unlimited opportunity of people being on that system. It also allows repairs. Do you remember they had to shut down the system overnight or in certain times to to allow repairs and upgrade. That cloud system won't uh, won't, uh, won't require them to shut down the, the website before going forward.
0: The explanations were a bit vague, but lawmakers in both parties like this bill. They lined up to praise it and Senator Bean, who is just out of COVID quarantine.
3: Vice Chair Wright, you're recognized in the love fest.
1: Senator Bean, we are so glad that you're back. I know you're recovering. You're in it, head deep. I'm proud of you. And I'm supporting this bill, of course, all the way. Thank you, sir.
0: But Representative Evan Jenny of Dania Beach says these reforms are long overdue. Democrats have been complaining about the Connect system ever since it was created, and it took a pandemic to get any action. Connect
3: the unemployment situation, all of the statutes regarding unemployment in the state of Florida need a severe overhaul, and they needed them a year ago. I am glad that they are now admitting um, that the system was designed to fail by the previous administration. Uh, I think that's key moving forward. The, the devil is going to be in the details like anything else in this process. I think that some members will, will turn up their nose at, at high cost for this. For whatever the reason, they do not see it as a good expenditure of government funds. I disagree completely uh, with that particular sentiment. But, um, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing this the right way. And more importantly, is it going to be sustainable? Uh, because a lot of these issues that came up in uh, mid-2020 and early 2020, Uh, should have never been problems if the system would have just been put together correctly in the first place, uh, if it had not been intentionally designed to fail uh, as it was. So, uh, you know, we have been hawks on this issue for over a decade, long before those cracks became apparent in the Connect system. I am. I want to be optimistic um, that that uh, the bill will create fixes and, and alterations within the system uh, that we can be proud of and that we can get behind and vote for. But uh, you know, we've been led down this road before. We've seen uh, nastiness come out of uh, bills dealing with this. Uh, you have to remember, for years in this building and especially in the House chamber, there's been a war on the poor. Um, They just never anticipated that that would include members of their own voting base that got caught up in this due to the pandemic. So look, if that's going to be what spurs on actual change that is going to take a a sympathetic and and human look at people uh, finding themselves down on their luck or hard times, that's a good thing. So I'm certainly not going to criticize the representative for filing it. But we will take a very critical eye to the bill to make sure that these are changes Uh, that are actually going to help people. So right now, I would say we are very optimistic and very open-minded, but we also know this process can take beautiful things and turn them into monsters.
0: The bill to fix the unemployment system passed the Senate Commerce Committee without a single vote against it. It is, however, still a work in progress. Speaking of unemployment, Florida's jobless rate was down three-tenths of a point in January as businesses continue to reopen. But Adrian Johnston, the chief economist at the Department of Economic Opportunity, says there are still almost half a million Floridians on the unemployment list.
2: Florida's seasonally adjusted unemployment rate in January 2021 was 4.8 percent. This represented 482,000 jobless individuals out of a labor force of 10,069,000. Florida's January 2021 unemployment rate was 0.3 percentage points, lower than the revised December 2020 rate, and up 1.5 percentage points from the January 2020 rate. Florida's December unemployment rate was lower than the national rate of 6.3 percent. In January 2021, Miami-Dade County had the highest unemployment rate at 8.1 percent, followed by Osceola County at 7 percent. Monroe County and St. John's County had the state's lowest unemployment rate, 3.5% each, followed by Wakulla County, 3.7%.
0: While the unemployment rate went down in January, Johnson says Florida actually lost more than 800 jobs.
2: Six out of 10 major industry sectors in Florida gained jobs over the month. All major industries lost jobs over the year. Construction gained 3,500 jobs over the month, but still remains 9,900 jobs below last January's mark. The trade, transportation, and utilities industry gained the most jobs over the month with 4,400 jobs. The industries that lost the most jobs over the month were leisure and hospitality, government, and financial activities. The January 2021 seasonally adjusted local area data showed that 13 of the 24 metro areas in Florida had over-the-month job gains. The Tampa-St. Petersburg-Clearwater metro area gained the most jobs with 4,200, and Naples-Immokalee-Marco Island grew the fastest at a rate of 1.5%. Other metro areas with notable job growth were the Naples-Immokalee-Marco Island MSA and Tallahassee.
0: Florida's unemployment rate is substantially lower than the national average, which is 6.3%. There was a time back in the 1980s when many Florida doctors were refusing to deliver babies because medical malpractice insurance rates for obstetrics were so high. State lawmakers responded by slapping limits on lawsuits and creating a trust fund to compensate families who had a child that suffered catastrophic injuries when they were born. The Florida Birth-Related Neurological Injury Compensation Association runs that program. The executive director, Kenny Shipley, joins us now for the Sunrise interview.
4: This is just a piece of the legislation that was passed in order to try and solve the malpractice crisis that was occurring back in the 80s and this particular point dealt with obstetricians were leaving Florida. People were having, or or just not doing obstetrics. They might stay in Florida, but they were only doing gynecology, and people were having a hard time finding someone to deliver their babies, and it's a crisis. So this was one of the things that was put into that major legislation in order to address the particularly high cost of the kinds of injuries that come from brain injuries that occur during labor and delivery.
0: And the mechanism starts out with an initial payment, and then you're qualified for certain coverage as you go along. Is that correct?
4: Yes. It's a lifetime of care. No cap. The only limitation is it has to be medically necessary and reasonable. But that's, Very broadly defined, as far as we're concerned, we don't have um, real strict limitations on that. It's just, if it's medically necessary and reasonable, we'll pay it. Um, If after any insurance, or if there's other programs that cover it, we'll pay above and beyond. But you'd be amazed how much insurance doesn't cover. We pay coinsurance deductibles. If If there are a lot of benefits.
0: Okay, and the benefit started out as a $100,000 payment up front, but that has been there for a long time, has it not?
4: It's been there since 1988.
0: And so what do we need to do to fix that?
4: We need to adjust it for inflation. Um, that, that payment was intended to help stabilize families. It's, it's a cash payment. It's not related to any kind of medical condition or any bills or anything of that sort, and was intended to help them buy a house or something of that nature. Um, we looked at if that amount had increased by 3% over time, what would it be? And it was about 250000 And we think that that's the board voted actually last year to try and get that changed. And it takes a legislative change since that's kind of baked into the statute.
0: Now, even though the legislature has to sign off on this, it's not like they have to come up with any money, right? The fund is already actuarially sound.
4: The fund is actuarially sound. This comes out of current revenues, current um, funding. So it doesn't, it doesn't take any money from anybody else. It doesn't affect the state of Florida's finances in any other way except to provide the, that additional benefit to these families.
0: And your group actually advocated for this increase last year, did it not?
4: We did. We had language. We were trying to actually, came kind of late to the table, tried to get it amended into another bill, and we, we had it amended, but the bill didn't pass.
0: So what's your best selling point to lawmakers when you, when you talk to them about this? Why, why is it necessary to increase these benefits?
4: It's the right thing to do for these families. These families are taking care of um, very severely injured, very compromised children, very expensive children. Um, this payment is just a cash payment. It doesn't go to any expenses. We pay all of their expenses, and we pay parents to provide care directly to their children, like they would, like we would pay a nurse. But this is a, a there's no strings attached kind of payment that gives them the ability to get their life in order going forward because. These kids, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, and most of our families think they're miracles. And they're still very expensive. So this is this supports the family, which is, I think, the right thing to do. It was intended from the beginning. We just haven't kept up with the time.
0: When you look back over the years, did this fund solve the problem it was created to solve? Are, are OBGYNs readily available and services available in the Sunshine State?
4: Based on all of the studies that have been done of NICA over time, uh, the OPAGA reports, the, uh, OG, the OG, OBGYN's own evaluations that have been done, um, even the, the national studies that have been done, we have been found to be meeting the goals that were, we were intended to meet, um, This was just a piece of the malpractice bill. It wasn't the entire bill. But we are meeting all of the goals set forth for NICA to meet.
0: And how many families are we talking about here on average that are clients of of the NICA?
4: It's a small number because these are very small numbers, very high-dollar kinds of claims. Currently, we are actively serving 213 families. Um, we get about 20 new ones every year. I love this program. I think it's a great program. We help a lot of people. We're here to hold their hands as they go through a difficult time. Financially, we support them. Um, it, it, it's an all-around, well-designed program that provides a solution that I think is a good solution for this group.
0: And what kind of response are you getting from lawmakers?
4: From lawmakers, very positive. It's, 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 a, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's, it's a benefit without creating any kind of a hardship or any kind of a fiscal impact. There's almost, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want to do this.
0: Senator Danny Burgess of Zephyr Hills and Representative Tracy Coster of Tampa have filed bills that would more than double the initial cash payment provided to parents or legal guardians of children who are accepted into the NICA program. Your calendar of events is next, along with the story of a Florida man in hot water for spitting on a guard who told him to wear a mask. The lesson here, do not mess with the mouse. But first, a word from the sponsor. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So
1: how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license
0: suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. At 9 this morning, the Senate Community Affairs Committee takes up a bill preventing local governments from restricting the types of fuel that utilities can use for energy production. The House Agriculture and Natural Resources Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 9 to hear a bill that would try to improve water quality in Biscayne Bay. At 9.30, the House Administration and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee takes up a bill that places additional restrictions on local impact fees. At 930, the House Professions and Public Health Subcommittee debates a bill allowing local governments to restrict smoking at their parks and beaches. The Senate Children, Families and Elder Affairs Committee meets at 1230 to hear a bill that would provide a sales tax exemption for items that help people live independently. We're talking things like bed rails, grab bars and shower seats. At 1230, the Senate Criminal Justice Committee takes up a bill to crack down on scammers who provide fraudulent information about COVID-19 vaccines and personal protective equipment. The House has already passed its version of this bill. The Senate Education Committee meets at 1230 to vote on a bill making substantial changes to the student financial aid, including the Bright Future Scholarship Program that would punish students financially if they pick a major that is not approved by the state. The House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Subcommittee meets at one to hear a bill to help victims of human trafficking. At 330, the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee takes up a bill that creates a public records exemption for information about the home addresses, telephone numbers and dates of birth for state lawmakers, cabinet members, their spouses and their children. At 345, the House Commerce Committee takes up a bill by Representative Chip Lamarca repealing the law that limits the size of wine containers that can be sold in Florida. And the Florida Department of Environmental Protection holds a virtual meeting at 530 to update the plan for Atlantic Ridge Preserve State Park in Martin County. Finally today, a Florida man is busted at Disney World after being accused of spitting on a guard who asked him to follow the rules and wear a mask. The Orlando Sentinel says 51-year-old Kelly McKinn of Palm Beach was walking around the theme park without a mask when a guard asked him to mask up. He said he would wear it indoors, but when the guard told him you have to wear a mask anywhere on Disney property, he got angry and spit on her. McKinn took off after she went for backup, but he was tracked down and arrested after being identified through security footage. He's charged with battery on a security guard. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flag in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.